Hey everybody, welcome to Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I really want to thank you for listening. If you feel compelled to do so, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, comment, share, whatever you feel like doing. Help me out trying to grow this podcast, trying to continuously deliver value. A couple of things before we get into the show, check out the links in the show notes to my CRA Academy my CRC Academy, both of them doing very well as far as getting people jobs in the marketplace. Check those out. Also, if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else, or even launching a site, basically any help for your site, we have a low monthly fee consulting service where we have helped many clients become and continue to be successful site owners through our background efforts of business development and support staff text me 949-415-6256 please check out the links in the show notes as well for the book the comprehensive guide to clinical research it's been selling really well getting very well received by the community thank you guys so much for that also check out the youtube member page join this channel to get perks that's my youtube uh, membership it's 10 bucks a month you get a monthly mastermind exclusively it's a zoom call every month with other youtube members uh, you also get weekly videos exclusive to the youtube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences so check that out really means a lot to me and thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show Guru Nation, welcome back to a video. First of all, thank you so much. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, share. If you don't know what to comment, just put a robot emoji. Helps with the algorithm or any emoji for that matter. Whatever you feel like, whatever floats your boat, put it on there. Uh, we've got Monica Paula Quitiva. We've got Chris Sauber with the Yankee cap on. And we're here to discuss physicians, research physicians. PIs and when they're new, like some of the most common mistakes that they make, or maybe not mistakes. I don't know if I like that word, but like some tips for new physicians, right? Like don't do this. Learn from our stories about what you should not do or try to avoid these pitfalls, common pitfalls. So Monica, you inspired this topic by having a conversation with someone, a PI. Yeah, by observing, I guess that's by the observing. way to say it. <laughs> do tell, do tell. Uh, experience, experience. So I think uh, maybe it's, uh, some physicians because they, when they are studying the in the clinical trials, well, they don't have basically no idea or not experience on how this works. Sometimes they. Uh, for example, when they are documenting things, they fall a little short uh, because uh, what, what the sponsors want, obviously, is to see the, the PI oversight, right? And the best way to show it is through the documents. So if the PI only does, like, only signatures and there is no handwriting or anything, that's not showing a really good uh, PI oversight. I think that part is very important. Uh, they need to they need to learn uh, the importance of this part of the of being a PI. 
uh, that probably will be one of my uh, highest uh, range, uh, mistakes or or uh, things that I have seen principal investigators or investigators do um, yeah. when they start this. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think the one of the first things I teach them is the importance of PI oversight. And even when I teach them, you know, I have to still uh, show them. Because my PI, one of my PIs here, brand new, but he's in a busy clinic. So he's basically has like uh, 20 patients a day is an average day for them or like 30 patients a day. And, you know, they have like in, in their practice, they have like pre-populated reports that they write for insurance purposes. So their MA, I see how they do it. Their MA clicks buttons. Basically, the MA, the medical assistant is the one doing the actual progress note and they just drag and drop because it's electronic health records. So they drag and drop, like put this med, this is what they discussed. This was the diagnosis. So, so the PIs like the physician in that case, they're not a PI, they're a physician. They're not like actually writing anything, you know, they're just, they're doing in real time, clicking some buttons and then the MAs do the rest. Well, in research, even when we use eSource, we have eSource there's still some writing, like even with Creo, you know, the PI has to log into their phone, write a progress note. And my PI, I asked him to write our first progress note. He wrote one sentence and I was like, all right, that's fine. I'll subsidize it with like a longer progress note that I write for as me, you know, I'm not going to write on behalf of them, but at least they have their footprint. But my goal is to show him like, Hey, you know, when things happen, like especially details, because in their private practice, it's all about generic, like, you know, we discussed this, we counseled them on this med, see you later in like two months. And it's all done automatically. They don't have to do anything. But in research, they have to put in a little bit more time. Uh, so that's been one of the, I guess, things that other people watching can learn if you're a physician about to do your first study. And it's what we teach in the College mm -hmm. of Clinical Research Clinicians, by the way. Um, link underneath the video i guess i gotta start putting that link underneath the videos now so yeah what what about you chris you've got a new pi you're working with too right i do um we have not started screening any patients for any of the studies he has he has three studies right now so i really don't have anything in mind for him but i do have a, a real world story about a former client um and before I get into that, we though, like we like juicy, juicy. I, I have a question for Monica. So Monica, when when uh, future students take the CRC Academy, do we discuss in the CRC Academy anything about sharing passwords? Do we? Okay, good. So this is a plug for the CRC Academy. We more than share. Else. We I gotta add. We share not to do that. That's right. what we do. Right. So, and they're going to get that from my story. They would have got that. So, um, we had a client who was very successful. They were getting new studies, it seemed, every month. Right. And it's weird how this industry works, the research industry at the site level, because, um, and I could be a little off on. I know this story. I feel bad for that client, too. Yeah. The I, nicest I, person ever. Absolutely. And, um, this happened years ago, so you know my memory could have changed the specifics a little bit, but it was essentially this. A monitor was at the site uh, performing an IMV, 
and was curious about how something was being done. So I asked, um, who's completing this information in the EDC or something to that effect? And the PI said, I am. And the monitor said, well, how are you doing that? You don't have an EDC login. And the, the, the PI said, well, I'm just using this person's over here to log in and take care of it. I don't think it was EDC because that wouldn't work, but it was it was a system of some sort, maybe IWRS. I can't remember, but it was a login somewhere using somebody else's login information. Of course, we all know that's not acceptable in the industry. Um, wow. So in order to avoid making these simple mistakes, um, you do need to be somewhat cognizant of what is allowed in the industry, right? I mean... In terms of sharing passwords, I would like to think of it in, like sharing your login to your bank information. You're just not going to let anybody yeah. have right? But, but there's, sorry, Monica, there's so many examples of things that, you know, maybe you would do in your personal life or as uh, at a clinic level, your private clinic as a doctor, like Dan was giving the example of writing the progress notes as a physician at the clinic and by the way that's, that's like standard practice for yeah uh, and that's not they're not doing anything wrong either that's like the system was made right. for those with those doctors in mind and research hasn't caught up to that with e-source they haven't made but that that would not be acceptable at all in mm -hmm. research right so you have to be able to transition from clinic where things are done differently than research so you need you really need some sort of education in terms yeah. of, mm -hmm. of being aware and, and, of what's the tolerable and what's not. Sorry, Monica, go ahead. No, sorry, Chris, that I, I, I was No, no, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> just, just you have to take something to educate yourself on what's allowed. No, that's actually, that's actually so true uh, that uh, they, they, the doctors have, I mean, because they think they can do it the same way they do it in, in their practice. Right. But it's not, uh, I mean, it seems that it, it, it seems that it's more, uh, it, it, that part takes more time, but then the other areas of being a PI is much easier than being a doctor, right? So we don't want to make everybody think that it's going to it's gonna be extremely time consuming because it's not really as much as your own practice or working crazy hours in hospitals, right? Mm -hmm. oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, my, my next thing that I would like to mention is uh, that's, that I have seen uh, the inform of consent form process, that they just give the, the inform of consent, but not the process, right? I saw it in a clinic before that I was uh, giving some uh, um, help <laughs> uh that they they, they just the, the the process felt short so uh that's a very 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 critical part of research and and doing the inform of consent processes is a very important topic and uh, and it's something that the principal investigator obviously should know um even I mean, most of the time, the principal investigator, or a lot of the time, the principal investigator is going to be carrying out, out, carrying out that process. And it's important for them to know exactly how they do it. Even if they don't do it, they need to know how the process should, should go. So that way they don't fly blind with their staff, right? 
They need to know how everything runs in the clinic, if they are the the, uh, the site owners, and even if they don't, the, all the staff is under his representation because at the end of the day, the principal investigator is responsible for everything, right? So I think it's important for the principal investigators or any investigator involved in research to know the whole process. That way they know exactly how everything works because like, for example, in the case that Chris was mentioning, if they don't know exactly which platforms a principal investigator should be using, then they are going to make those that those kind of mistakes in a monitor invested. But if they know, they won't be doing that uh, yeah. or saying what they don't have to. <laughs> and we teach all this in the College of Clinical Research Clinicians. I'm glad you brought up the press of consent because that's an example where I was saying, okay, there's tricks. Okay, the research hasn't caught up to how easy it is, like point and click in the standard of care that they're used to now with EHRs. But we can get close because there are sites that have a checklist for process of consent and you can build that into your e-source. So it's like foolproof. Okay, you have to check these boxes and that shows that you've done process of consent. But again, without you knowing that that's even a thing when you're in new PI, you know, you could make a mistake there and you can delegate that, but you still need to have your footprint. Again, we teach this College of Clinical Research Clinicians. Check it out. And just to finish my thought on what I offered. Um, so this this client uh, was getting a new study each month. Once once they committed this uh, atrocity, um, they didn't get another study ever. It's like it's a close, wow. like it's like it's um, this information is shared with between sponsors. I don't know. I don't know why that occurred. Um, you would think they would just lose, burn the bridge with that sponsor or that CRO. Not all of them, and they were getting a study a month. So very odd how that worked out for them. Yeah, they got blacklisted. <laughs> yeah, it seems very interesting. Wow. Mm-hmm. Let that be yeah, a so warning that, to all of you guys, right, and gals. Um, but yeah, this re- reality, real stuff. I wonder how that client's doing. Maybe I'll email him. I spoke to him last time. I spoke to him was about a year ago. He seemed to be doing all right, and he'd just finally given up on research. So then we're done. See, learn from others' mistakes. This is the beauty of YouTube and of podcasts. Learn from others' others' mistakes, so you don't have to. At least. If you're listening and watching, you won't be sharing passwords. At least I hope. What else are we doing? Makes you wonder what else we're forgetting that we're teaching in the College of Clinical Research Clinicians. What else might you be forgetting? Give us one more. I I made certain that Monica's teaching that. So give us one more pitfall. (laughs) We can't we can't just end Uh, it on that one. uh, You you know, another another one using whiteout. Okay, <laughs> we hope people don't use whiteout. Uh, <laughs> so something I see all the time. Yeah. Well, here we go. With the PI, current PI that's been in the industry for 20 plus years, probably been the PI on over 100 studies, still makes the same mistake, still told by CREs not to do this. It's a simple mistake. You're not going to lose uh, business over this. But the industry likes clarity, right? So as Monica said, no whiteout. Why no whiteout? Because they want to see if there's an error. They want to know what the error was initially, right? So in the industry, the standard is 
the industry standards one line through the air, right? So it's still legible, so you can still see it. So another issue in the industry is write-overs. So we have this PI, Dan and I, at one of our sites. Um, we'll, leave, we'll leave her name out of it. Um, who just writes over everything, right? If her pen's not working right, she'll just keep writing over it until it does work, right? And monitors, like for every study, will tell her, hey, the, you know, doctor, you've been in the industry for a very long time. You know this isn't acceptable. Please don't do this. And she just continues to do it. Um, and it's it's just not something that's allowed. And it's a small detail, right? Um, again, it's not going to cost you anything. The whiteout might, depending. Um, or scribbling out something. Um, so an example, when I first started working in this industry as a coordinator, it's always been a habit for me when I was younger and in school or whatever, I would just scribble things out, right? Notes in my notebook, okay, I don't want to know that. That's inappropriate to what the note I'm taking. So when I first started coordinating, I would scribble things out. And um, for the most part, taught myself how to be a coordinator and a monitor told me, hey, we don't scribble things out. It wasn't a big issue. He just said, don't do that. It's one line, right? So. You can make simple mistakes, and that's a relatively simple mistake. You're not going to lose the study over it, most likely, depending. Um, but it's not something you want to do either. Yeah, because, because if you think about that part of documenting and the guidelines, the Alcoa-HC, which we also teach in the, in the classes, yeah. um, and, and uh, obviously uh, showing the same mistakes over and over again, Maybe if in the future, if you have an FDA uh, audit, that's going to be a big finding because it's part of documenting, right? So it, yeah, everything needs to be legible. Important. So I'll bring, yeah, another one. Legible. I'll bring another one in as we end it because the, both of those things you can change with eSource. Yeah, I love eSource. It takes a while to get used to it, but once you use it, it's, you never want to go back to... Yeah, legibility is not again. an issue. None of this nope. stuff you guys mentioned in the last five minutes is an issue, but Let's give them something. Let's say they're a new PI. They're like, okay, I'm going to switch to eSource and just do that. I'm going to start with eSource. There's other things. NCS on the labs that are abnormal. Okay, ECG in a timely manner. And also always make sure you get the latest version of the ICF approved. And you're using that one. And don't forget to have patients sign that one. And don't use the old version if there's a new version. So. We teach all this also in the College mm -hmm. of Clinical Research Clinicians. Um, anything else like that that you guys have? One more? One more from each. Like we need to give value to these clinicians watching that are on okay. the fence about either my, joining our course or about starting a site on their own. My brain's just stuck on NCS, not clinically significant for those who don't know. Um, it was just stuck on that. I couldn't think of anything else. So go ahead, Monica. I'm uh, thinking. <laughs> uh, I uh, I think also very important, and maybe the 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 PI sometimes because obviously they get the chance to delegate everything. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's the responsibility of the principal investigator. Uh, for example, learning is obviously a specific uh, the whole protocol, but specifically the inclusion and exclusion criteria. And uh, let's don't forget that uh, one of the, the biggest um, 
deviations that one that somebody or uh, clinic can commit is uh, randomizing a patient that should not be randomized. So that the specific part is really important, and I will say it's very important for the principal investigator to know, because again, at the end of the day, if that patient is randomized, it's because the principal investigator approved it. So they need to make sure they know the, the, the protocol and the inclusion and exclusion criteria quite well. So that way, when they are reviewing the, 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 the subject that is going to be randomized and approving it, they know what they are doing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the so other, I think that's something important. <laughs> that's a good one. We can end on this story. The other day, somebody texted me that they're a new site, and they accidentally they said, "Okay, we accidentally randomized the patient when we should have screenfelled them." When in reality, I mean, they didn't tell me this, but I I would put money that they realized they made a mistake later, and then they went they went to go try to screenfell the patient, and they couldn't because. They already randomized the patient in the IWRS. So they're saying, is this a big deal? Can we just redact yes, so the EDC? Yes, a big deal. Yeah, they say, is this, can we just automatically change it and then uh, the EDC will have it, you know, everything's proper? No, once you do something like that, there's a reason. You can't just accidentally click a button in IWRS. It makes you put your password at least once more, right? You log in. When you're ready to do it, there's like a checkbox, at least the one I use. You have to check everything. Is are they qualified? Somebody has to literally check every box, and then log in again to do that. So there's no fooling anyone with we accidentally hit the wrong button. Well, yeah, no. I, think, I think technically you could actually get that changed, right? But oh my goodness, I think that would really bring a spotlight onto whatever you're doing at the site. Cause you'd have to go to IWRS and say, Hey, we clicked the wrong button. We need to change this. And you'd have to do that with customer support. You'd have to go to EDC and delete everything. Right. Which you can do. But uh, I mean, if you, but there's an audit trail, you can't delete the audit. Trail. I understand. That's what I'm saying. It would most certainly bring up all kinds of red flags. The CRA would be like, what the hell is going on here? Right. And you'd have, and- you'd have to get rid of the, the, I mean, stores. I could figure it out through a text message, not even sure. being there and seeing their <laughs> body language. No, I'm, yeah. I'm saying technically you could get rid of this. You could reverse the enrollment, but like you said, there's not a trail. So good luck explaining that. And then the other thing is if they if they are going to do that, they need to make sure, make sure that they document every step and every single detail about that uh, process, uh, because if it's not documented, it's like it never happened. And it that, and that happens with every single thing that we do in research. We have to document absolutely everything. Right. So and, uh, go ahead. Sorry. 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 I was just going to say, I mean, these systems are designed because they know people make errors. So you can correct or change most everything you do. What are you shaking your head now for? Yeah, no, I know what you're saying, but there's no way that they no, accidentally. No. I understand uh, that. That's what I was just going to elaborate on. There's just no way that you're going to explain this. Oh, yes, we accidentally clicked on enroll in IWRS and assign medication or whatever the product is for the IP. And then on top of that, we went to EDC and did the same thing and entered all the data that we clicked yeah, on, on the randomization yeah, I, visit. 
I actually no have way. a question. Well, That's these, right, new, these new That's... EDC, I got to tell you. So, yeah, you're right. But these new EDC, the one I'm using, uh, when you screen fail someone in the IWRS, they call it IRT now. I don't even know what that means. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's a new version of IWRS. Um, the, it will do it in the EDC. Like it'll at least put the status and the date. So you have less, little bit less work to do on the EDC. But yeah. it also puts the randomization automatically in the EDC too. So there's that, like two sides to that sword. Double-edged sure. sword. I have, I have a question. And, and this will make it even worse, right? Did they uh, give the patient the assigned IP and the patient went home and took medication or they didn't? No, I don't think they did. Otherwise, they would have asked me about that. This is not a client of ours, by the way. This is just a right. random person on YouTube. <laughs> Anybody can text me 949-415-6256. Text me your drama as well. We're happy to... Look at your drama. <laughs> I can't find it. It's been like a couple threads. There's a lot. There's a lot on here. Yeah. But I'm sure if that would have happened, they would have asked me about that too. So I think they randomized. And then before the patient went home, somebody was like, wait a minute. You know, this we shouldn't have. Uh, let's just say it was a mistake. I think that's what happened. Pretty sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe they made the mistake because they didn't know and everybody was inexperienced in the site, the principal investigator and the CRC. And that's just obviously a recipe. Yeah. <laughs> a bad recipe. So I, I would say that what you're describing there, Dan, is probably the least, uh, I don't even know how to phrase this, but the least worst. Uh, it's not as bad as if they sent them home with medication. The fact that the patient never left the clinic and they caught the air, right? That's not that bad. I don't. I don't think that would be a huge issue, right? It's just Still like, hey, we overlooked it, caught it. Yes, it's a problem, and it's going to be a deviation. But the PI would just simply write a note. You know, we reviewed everything again, and then we realized our error. Patient yeah. never left. Was never given the IP. I. That's. For improperly enrolling a patient, that's the least worst case scenario, right? Yeah, no, um, I agree. Even though they can't, probably can't use, because when you randomize someone, they, they assign the med automatically. You can't use that med right, now. Right. Right. And and they thought it was something as simple as, can we just contact IRT and EDC and have them work it out? And I was like, yeah, no. My response was no. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. You can't do that. Right. Yeah, it's deviation. Yeah. And going to take a little work to correct. Yeah, and, and obviously making sure that the 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 uh, recipient or the I mean the bottle of the whatever the IP is stored in should be sealed because if it's something is open then that's it. <laughs> How you're going to prove yep. that it was never open the patient didn't take anything. Oh, if, in research if you if you don't have a proof it's just like uh, I mean how are you going to to convince everybody that it didn't happen, right? So a way to do it is obviously by documenting everything. Yeah. Uh, but oh, but on top of that, having the proof, right? And by the so, way, this stuff can happen to an experienced PI too, because if they hire an inexperienced coordinator and the inexperienced coordinator does that, it's going to reflect poorly on the PI also. So it's about well, training, training as well. well. 
I would go a step further than that. I think this could happen even to an experienced site, depending on the air and depending on the design of the protocol. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody could be experienced and this could still potentially happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's it, guys. The, the importance of training. <laughs> the importance of training. Theuniversityofclinicalresearch.com. Go check it out. See our programs. Right now, I'm on the page. It's a fantastic website, actually. So it has the College of Clinical Research Clinicians. That's the one you want to be in. Week one, general responsibilities. Week two, research staff, training, and office layout. Week three, SOPs, regulatory and source. Week four, monitoring visits and quality assurance. Week five, contracts and budgets. Chris's specialty and then patient recruitment. Monica's specialty. It's only a five-week course. It's not like it's a a 12-week a course. It's a five-week course so that you guys, clinicians, can get in and get out and go and at least not make the major mistakes that'll put you out of business before you get started. You can make minor mistakes. That's fine. Don't make the major mistakes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Very sound advice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Chris. you. Thank you everybody for watching, listening. We'll do more videos as we roll out our first inaugural class of the college of clinical research clinicians, more topics on PI oversight. It's the FDA's biggest finding for a reason. We made a whole course out of it. Take care.